You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. It's another Vikings replay. Dalton is out this week. He had some prior engagements. That's okay. He may have had some technical difficulties. We don't know. We won't say. Either way, it's a three-man weave. I'm joined here with Connor and Lucas. We're ready to talk a little Vikes. And uh, a couple of other things might be on the menu as well. Stay tuned to find out. Let me just start here. How'd you guys feel about the game? First thoughts. Lucas, go ahead. To be brief, same shit, different day. I mean, how many times have we gone through this? <laughs> time and time and time and time again. They look good. They're giving us hope. We think we're going to lose. We get hope again. And at the end, the rug's pulled right out from under us again. Devastating, devastating, devastating. When am I ever going to learn? Probably never. Diehard Vikes fan till the end. But it's a dark day in Vikings territory. My money is on the over, on never. <laughs> Connor, how'd you feel? You know, I think there were definitely some positives, um, some positive takeaways. To take the coaching stance, I guess, there's some positive takeaways. But ultimately, in the NFL, like if you have too many moral victories, your team ends up sucking. So like two weeks of very similar, I would say, football for the for the Vikings and just kind of another frustrating end to our, to our Sunday. I mean, the only thing that worked out well for me was the game time. So other than that, it was an up and down emotional roller coaster. Love that late start. Love it. I'll say this for myself. I thought this was a wildly entertaining football game. Just start to finish. It was just take out the fact that it was heartbreaking it was probably expected, uh, the ending. I don't know. We probably all felt that coming, that missed kick. But just start to finish a very entertaining football game. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's nice to see that because last week was just a muddy, gross. It was a bad game. Bad, not, bad not, game. Not great yeah. football, not right, clean. Lucas? Yeah. yeah. So to see just a good football game at that nice 3 o'clock time slot, Connor, I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty great. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest takeaways is polar opposites on the uh, penalty spectrum like last week what seven on the first drive and then this week i think three or four the entire game like less than 30 yards in penalties this week last week felt like it was 200 yards of penalties so you know again i'm picking out positives i think at this point but frustrated overall but yeah it was at least a fun game to watch which we cannot say totally about last week and zim daddy whipped them into shape this week Okay, so consensus, fun game to watch. Was it a fun game to listen to? We had a new voice in the booth this week. And let me just run through a few things that we heard from the color commentary this week. Toe drag swag. Shot out of a nine millimeter. Thousand little muscles in that back, Gus. Give it to the big body and next thing you know, you might have a touchdown. Did we jinx him, Gus? Sorry about that, Coach Zimmer. <laughs> if he don't get hit in the face, that might be a money ball. <laughs> Cousins gave Jefferson a little money sign. He's looking at the replay board. I'm looking at the replay board. 
And my personal favorite, and I hope this one continues, Third and Thielen. <laughs> that one's good. I will Akeem, admit, Akeem Talib in the booth was an unexpected treat of this game for me. I, I think we have mixed uh, feelings about it. Lucas, I'll toss it to you. How'd you feel about Talib? At the beginning, I was appalled. I was like, what is Akeem Talib doing in the booth? Part of me thought he was still playing, to be quite honest. 100%. And then his voice yep. was just annoying the hell out of me. But and I felt like he just kind of was saying way too much stuff. Like he was just trying to say something to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end, as I actually started listening to him, I was just laughing at the stuff he was saying, just like some of the ones you listed out. And I think he did get better. It's just like a football game, you know? I'm surprised he didn't say this. You know, Gus, I'm a little nervous up here. It's only my second game ever doing this. Got to get my feet wet once you get that first hit. Oh, and the nerves just settle in. But no, he didn't say didn't say that surprisingly. But I, I by the end, I didn't hate him nearly as much as I did at the start. So didn't hate him. Didn't hate no, him. Connor, what'd you think? I tuned in slightly late to the game, so I missed like the first couple drives. And the first thing I tuned into, first of all, I was just like, "Whoa, I've, I haven't heard this voice before." So I was just like, "Kind of whatever." That's new. The first thing I saw was it looked like they were running an off tackle play. And Cook kind of cut it into, I think it was the A-gap. And Tlaib was like, oh, going off the edge and then cut through a little hole. And I mean, this hole from the offensive line, it was it was literally, you could drive a semi through it. It was so big that I was just <laughs> like, this guy's an idiot. That was not a small hole. He acted like he turned sideways to slide through a skinny doorway. And this was like a massive gaping hole. Awesome job by the offensive line. And so right away, I was just like, he's so nervous. Like, he's just saying things. He doesn't even know what he's saying. He's just talking. Um, I personally, I didn't love it. I thought there were some funny little one-liners that you mentioned. But to me, the overall commentary, I was just like, oh, he doesn't, he's not providing any like good insight. Like, I think that's the one thing people enjoy about Tony Romo is even when he messes up, at least he's trying. Like he's like, oh, like he's checking routes. He's doing this. He's doing that. Talib was just like, we'd go to t- what was it, Akeem Vision Akeem. or Talib Vision, yeah. and then he would just re-explain exactly what you just watched. And I was like, that's not very helpful because I just watched that, and I don't need you to go to Talib Vision on what you saw, which is what I saw. So now you're just retelling me what I already saw. And I was like, I thought that I didn't appre- I didn't like it. I, maybe it was a first like situation. At one, Overall, point, like it. at one point, he was in the whatever to leave vision and he was like trying to explain something and he was like, ah, I can't even find my, I can't even find like the marker on the screen so he <laughs> circle anybody. He's like, shit, where'd I put that struggling. stapler? Um, so hopefully, I mean, again, yeah, hope, I don't know if I want him again, but it was kind oh, of funny. The other thing I would really be curious to know is how many times he said, don't let Dalvin cook. He loved it. That he was the one. It, yeah. He said it oh, 10 times at he, least. He prepped that. I was, I, Lou, I was going to say that with Connor's thing about, I remember that run that Connor was talking about. That was the first time he broke it out. He said, Dalvin Cook is cooking. And he <laughs> went with that for the rest mm-hmm. of the game. That was the one that he had prepped. I think he genuinely thought of third and Thielen towards the end of the game. Like that was yeah. off the top. He thought of that. Major props for him to that one. Well done on that. Uh, but the Dalvin Cook is cooking. Don't let him cook. That was premeditated, and that was brutal. He just I'm pretty kept sure going he said that, that was like his line 
in like the preview of the show, <laughs> like the preview of the game, he just had that one thing. He's the game. Don't let yeah. Dalvin cook. Don't or get, let Dalvin cook. Yeah. <laughs> that was his his entire game note sheet was just that in like size seventy two font. Um, he also though, if anybody can appreciate him just leaning into a saying, it's this group, it's this podcast, three man weave, three man weave. Uh, a couple, just a cu- quick couple more things on him. First, yeah, him not being able to use the teleprompter just tells me he did not, in fact, graduate from the John Madden School of Broadcasting. That is. Go. One of the first classes that you have to take. I looked into it. Uh, second, all-time suit in the booth. Did you see that suit in the booth? Just incredible. Oof. I couldn't figure out if I liked it or hated it. Like, oh. there's no in between. But for me, I just couldn't quite get there. I was like, it looked like it looked like he rolled right out of a nightclub in Miami and just went up to the booth. Like <laughs> that's what that's the impression I got. I think, and I was like, I don't know if this is unprofessional or if this is the swaggiest outfit I've ever seen. I have heard Scottsdale is the bachelor party capital of the world. So there was a chance he had an event last evening. Well, and then you got Gus Johnson just wearing this beautiful blue, like plaid cross, whatever you want to call it, suit. It's very professional. And then Akeem Glaze wearing like a jacket. It's all pink. He's got one button at like the very top, it looked like. And there was just too much going on for me, I think. Okay. And this the the chain with like the pendant on it was something too. I'm glad you brought up Gus Johnson, Lucas, because I had a couple things on Gus Johnson. I think this was the first time I'd heard him in the NFL. Oh, for me the too. Vikings. I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. I I'm a Gus Johnson fan. I think he is electric. I think he fits college Saturdays way better than the NFL. Just mm-hmm. something about like it might be typecasting because he's done it for so long. It's that Jim and Pam from the Office type thing where like you can't see them in another role because he's done so mm-hmm. well in college basketball or uh, football on Saturdays. But I got to give mad props to Gus Johnson because he's made an entire career out of just saying people's names. Like that's all he does. He'll just be like, like they cut away to Tom Brady and then they send it back to the booth to him and he just goes, Tom Brady. And that's it. That's all he had to say about it. And he like did that all the time with like cousins (laughs) and like, it'd be like Dalvin Cook would break a little bit. He'd be like, Dalvin Cook. And they'd be like, wait for a little bit first down. And it's incredible. I love the way he does it. It's he just kinda, says their name. And you're like, yeah, it's yeah, that like, was it. Like PAs, like, and he's loose. He says everyone's loose, no matter whether they're offense, defense. He's probably said it about kickers at times. Oh, you just got to have your thing. Gus has his. He's PA's got his. Got his. I'll just say this. If I were a high school principal, I would be spending the entire budget of the year trying to book him for our graduation ceremony because (laughs) (laughs) that gets boring when you're just hearing names over and over. But if it was Gus Johnson, it'd be electric. You do Gus Johnson, you let the fans clap, best graduation ever. You don't even have to book a keynote speaker. The nice thing about that graduation too is if you're spending your whole budget on that, there's probably it'll probably be a pretty quick graduation too with the number of kids that'll be uh, eligible for that day. Yikes. Okay, so let's get past the announcer's booth and actually into the game a little bit. Uh, for those of you who are still listening, we are going to talk about the game a little bit at least. Thanks for sticking around. Thank Yeah, really appreciate you sticking around. We're going to try a new segment, and it is going to be a fun one, we think, and 
since the Vikings are 0-2, Connor has already dubbed the season over. So mm-hmm. we wanted to think of a way to kind of keep the spirits high and to stay a little bit positive at least. This is our new segment. It is the crappy, happy, crappy sandwich. Happy, crappy. It is, for those of you who don't know what this is, it's a happy, crappy, happy sandwich, which basically just means we're going to try to say a couple of positive things about the Vikings, then a point of constructive criticism, then we will finish it with another positive thing that we thought about the Vikings to kind of round things out, to keep the spirits a little bit high, to soften the blow of the criticism. And now. The mini market serving you a happy, crappy, happy sandwich. So I will start here with Connor. Do you want to deliver a happy, crappy, happy sandwich? I would. And I would like to just point out that um, I don't know how many kid listeners we have, but this feels like it's evolving, evolving into a youth podcast for the so kids. for those of you youngsters out there uh you may know what we're doing here um your teachers may have done it with you so i guess how i'd like to start my happy i don't think i'm gonna surprise anybody here um it's who i've i'm a ride or die i will say kurt cousins did enough to win again I was pretty happy. I, I just keep going back to no turnovers. I know he had that one sack fumble that bounced right back into his lap. Clutch. Thank God. Um, so maybe he does have the clutch. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, it's frustrating. You know, it's frustrating to hear the haters, but the haters are getting a little quieter so far through two games, even though we're on two. But I think it's safe to say it's not his fault. So Kirk Cousins played a solid game. This was the ultimate game manager, though. I will say yeah. that. Like, we, he had three touchdowns, but I think he was like 22 for 30 or something like that. Had like under 200 yards. There was a point I, that it, it felt like the start of the fourth quarter, he had like 150 yards. Like, they just hadn't really needed to do that much offensively. He was very, yeah. very precise early on. Yeah. So that's kind of my happy. Um, my crappy is something we've talked about a lot this year. It's the secondary. Um, giving up 34 points. I thought our defensive line actually did an okay job of kind of corralling Kyler Murray. I think he's just going to be a tough, tough person to play against for the next 15 years in the league. He's good. He can do it all. He's so fast. He's He's got the wiggle, as they like to say, but he also like Tlaib he's pretty dialed. What's that? Talib loved the wiggle. He said yeah, that a he bunch loved of the wiggle. Um, one guy that I mentioned too when we were going through our season, Randall Moore. He's great. He's awesome. He's insane to watch. They have a lot of playmakers. Like AJ Green, kind of had himself a little game. DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. Totally forgot JJ Watt was even on their team. Like they got some players. Um, so I think. So going back to my point is I think the frustrating part was our secondary. I think we're really bad at secondary. I think that's obvious. I think everyone knows it. It's just one of those things where if we can't defend the pass, we're going to have a long season. And that's why I kind of said the season's over in the group chat earlier. Um, So that's my crappy. And then to go back to my happy, I kind of alluded to it, but I thought the defensive line actually did an okay job of kind of 
keeping Kyler Murray at bay. We got a handful of sacks, which was fun. Um, and ultimately, they gave our defense still gave us a chance to win. So frustrating game, but there's a happy, crappy, happy sandwich for you. I agree on the on the defensive line, Connor. I thought that obviously Daniel Hunter was really solid. He had three sacks, a bunch of pressures. But I thought as a whole, they really understood their assignments and they yes. ma- they maintained their lane discipline uh, and c- trying to corral Murray. And I think part of the reason that they did so well is because there were a couple times where they didn't and he burned them. And it was like instant reminder. I'm sure they worked on it all week. I'm sure that was the like main focus of the defensive line all week was like to keep him in the pocket, keep him at bay. And it was like every single time that they didn't do it, he'd bust one out. He'd create a little extra. He'd run for a first down. And it was like, oh yeah, we, we can't do this a bunch of times. We have to do this every time. Uh, so I thought they did pretty well too. Lucas, you got a hot steamy one. Let's get a happy, crappy, happy. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> kind of similar. I thought the the D line and the front seven in general played very, very well. Obviously, yeah, Kyler Murray is just unbelievable. I don't know how he escaped some of these rushes, but Weatherly, Tomlinson, Michael Pierce, Daniil, all these guys are getting pressure. They're getting through, which they really didn't do last week at all. Um, <clears throat> so it's really good to see them getting actual pressure on them. And then finally, I think Gus Johnson said something like, and finally, Daniil Hunter just grabs hold of Murray and says, I'm sick of you running around. And he just tosses him to the ground. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it's great to see them actually getting pressure. Nick Vigil, I am a big fan of him. I think I mentioned last week, I, I like the way he plays. He had a big pick six today. Um, almost came up with that, I don't know if you want to call it luck or, or skill, that almost fumble at the at the goal line earlier in the game. That would have been sweet. Um, <clears throat> crappy. I'm going to agree with Connor. The, the secondary is just a mess. I think actually Patrick Peterson did pretty well other than that one blown coverage. But Brashad Breeland is just Wolf. a liability. Oh, my God. Also, he appears to be made of glass. He just gets hurt all the time. He's nowhere close. He got stiff-armed to the ground by A.J. Green, who's a big guy. But I was really excited about him before the season, and he has been a huge disappointment so far. Um, so maybe he's just over the hill. I don't know. And... Again, similar to Connor, I think this may have been one of the best games I've ever seen Kirk Cousins play as a Viking. He, when he was he was moving in the pocket, he didn't have the happy feet really. I think a couple times he did, but there were a couple times he just he saw a lane and instead of trying to hold on to the ball, he just ran it. And what he had like a thirty yard run one time. That was awesome. Um, didn't didn't have any turnovers. Threw touchdowns. He made the big throws when he needed to make them, like early on to KJ Osborne. Um, Awesome game by Kirk. All right, there you have it, folks. Happy, crappy, happy. Little Mayo on there. He tossed in Nick Vigil as a second happy to his uh, defensive line. I thought I, I liked him too. I thought he had a good game. I think I think we said it last week. He's an emotional leader, and uh, he proved it again this week. So it's been fun to watch him. I will give you my sandwich here. I'll start with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin was cooking. It was f- actually, was it was applicable. He, it was fun to watch him have a good game. He was, especially in the first half, he was tearing off runs. Uh, I thought it was going to be, I mean, a really good game for the Vikings, just based on if, if he's going to run well, we're going to do well in general. You could see it in that first half where like he's busting out eight yard runs almost every time. Things are wide open for Kirk Cousin and 
Cousins in the throwing game after that. Like when you establish the run, obviously this is football 101, but when that's rolling, it makes things a lot easier for the air attack portion of the offense. So that was fun to see a little bit of a scare there on the ankles roll both ways portion where we weren't sure if he had high ankle sprain or uh, as they call it, a basketball ankle roll, which I can confirm that looked like a basketball roll. I've done it a few times myself. Um, So that was my first happy. My crappy actually is going to go in the opposite direction of you guys. I thought that the offense was brutal in the second half. They didn't do a single thing in the entire second half. Um, And I attribute this partially. We did not run the ball as well. Um, the, The pick six is a little weird because it's like, offenses or defenses on the field, they get the pick, then they're back on the field. So we didn't get our first touch in the, in this, in the second half for like kind of a long time. Um, but let me just run through our second half possessions. So first possession, four plays punt second possession, probably our best possession of the second half is a 10 play 20-yard field goal. Four minutes. That's our best possession. We we get a pick. We end up with a field goal. Next possession is in the fourth quarter, three and out. Following possession, three and out. And then the last possession is obviously the, the missed kick. So really, for me, the offense did absolutely nothing in the second half. They moved the ball down the field once. Their longest drive was 58 yards. I mean, the pick six was incredible. That was the only reason we were still in the game. And then to get an interception right after that and barely move the ball, I thought that's a miss. Like when you're playing teams that I think are better than you, you have to capitalize more off the turnovers. Like turnovers need to be touchdowns for the Vikings this year. Just like we know that the defense isn't great. They're gonna, it's going to be shootouts consistently. So when you get an opportunity like that, you have to capitalize on it. So my crappy was honestly the, the offense in the second half. I agree with everything that you guys said about Kirk. In the first half, I thought it was a different guy watching him in the pocket. It's like all of a sudden he had eyes in the back of his head and he was navigating the pocket well. He was stepping up when pressure was there. He found holes. He was making great throws. And then in the second half, it was more of what we've seen in the past from him where he did have a little bit of the happy feet. He was going to his checkdowns really early. Uh, and he was, Lucas, as you love to point out, throwing on third and fives. He was throwing three-yard routes to a guy who was covered really, really fast. So... That was my crappy. Lou, did you have any? We, we maybe, I'll give you my happy, then we talk, we'll circle back. We'll talk about it. Okay. My final happy was KJ Osborne. I freaking yep. love this kid. He is so awesome to watch. I think Gamer. he is like the perfect like third receiver on this team. He has, in two weeks, like, he has been Kirk Cousins' go-to guy in a sense on these two drives that he's led to win games. Like he's done it. We'll talk about that probably later. But Kirk Cousins has put together a couple of really nice drives in the first two weeks to put the team in position to win games. And a critical piece of both of those drives has been KJ Osborne. He is not afraid to go across the middle, not afraid to take a big hit. He's made some really nice catches. He's had some big time plays. Like he started the game with that big play. He had one last week. I think he's electric and I think we're going to be like, whoa, this is really nice to have. And I hope that they can continue to keep him involved in the game and in the offensive strategy because he's getting open and all of the game planning is going towards Thielen and Jefferson as it should be for opposing defenses. They're too good not to. And it's the perfect, I mean, you saw Christian Kirk 
on a guy when you're the third option on a team with two really good wide receivers, you're going to get open a lot. You're, you're facing the probably the third best corner. The game plan isn't against you. So I think KJ Osborne has the potential to continue to play well if, if he can you know, keep stepping up in that role. So that, I thought that was a really nice happy for me. Hope to see him keep doing well in the following weeks. Lucas, you had a point for us on the Kirk Cousins and the offense in general in the second half. Yeah. Uh, first off, I just want to say KJ Osborne was my honorable mention. Uh, maybe a little mayo relish, whatever you want to call it, on top of the Sammy there. Um, I think that, that was po- some ojou on the side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that catch he had on, on third down was incredible. I was going to say that is one of the better catches I've seen. Um, and in that spot for that, this guy who has pretty much no experience, like two games of experience, I don't even think he had a catch last year. Uh, that was huge. So I am really glad to see him stepping up into that third wide receiver spot. I know, Connor, that was a huge um, <clears throat> yep. huge point of emphasis for you to get that third wide receiver, and I agree. Um, but yeah, like your point on Kirk and the offense, I was very upset at one point. We were kind of backed up on our own goal line, third and three, um, and we took a shot to like to Justin Jefferson down the sidelines, and just it wasn't really that close of a play. And I was just kind of upset because you said they, we throw all these short routes. We throw all these quick hitters and Kirk is really good at making those throws. But instead we take this shot over the top, breathing down the neck of our own goal line. So our punter has zero room. Like we don't even try to get a couple extra yards for him. So I don't know. I know there's, there's obviously two trains of thought there with, uh, with taking a shot, but I did not like, like that call one bit. I think one thing, on a similar note, I was I, I kind of was questioning a little bit in the second half of the play calling. Like it felt like we were just trying to manage the game. And I will say that we're not in the huddle. None of us played at a high enough high enough level of football to know are they getting three play calls? Hey, flag football champs, two years running. Two That's years. That's true. If this was if this was flag, we would have a lot more insight. But I'm curious, are they calling two, three plays in the huddle and Kirk is choosing the wrong one? Because to me, it seems at times that our offense just gets really boring like we were like three years ago when it was like run on first down, run on second down, play action on third down and trying to take a shot. To me, it seemed like we could have been, maybe been a little bit more creative. Also had some things like on the last drive, that dime that Kirk threw to Justin Jefferson. Yep. And just kind of like he, he was lot, he was kind of tied up. No pass interference, I think, but just kind of tied up. Got room, had it. Both hands on the ball. Ugh. Yeah, just lost it. And that's going to happen. That's But it's just the timing of that was just so crucial because that puts us inside the 20. And now, hey, maybe we're going to go score a touchdown. Um, so that was a little frustrating. I just, yeah. I, I think you make a great point about the second half. Honestly, to me, it was just the second half was a blur. The first half was like we were flying around. Everything, Both teams were scoring at will. Oh, it was fun. And then the second half was just kind of like the time was just ticking away and kind of reflecting on it. I thought the play calling was maybe left a bit to be desired. And again, that could be Kirk calling audibles. That could be Kirk not calling audibles that are putting ourselves in the best play possible. Because, yeah, like you said, they shut down the run. And that's where we have to be able to take advantage of those quick routes where they like and play action even more so. But I was going to say that I part of the weird thing for me, I don't know if anybody else has felt this way, but a lot of teams do try to when the running game isn't working and the Vikings do it too. You try to do those quick little hitters to get, you know, a couple, three, four yards on the outside on a quick play. 
Like, it's I don't know like what, a run they call. Yeah, like, exactly. They always say that. They're like, that's just as good as a run or like something like that. But it seems like for some reason, whatever reason it is, it might be his throwing angle or his height or something like that. But when we try that, it feels like more often than not, the ball gets batted down at the line. It, I, it, maybe it's way too telegraphed or I don't know what it is, but it, it feels weird for me. Like we can't, that isn't an option necessarily for the Vikings the same way it is for a lot of other teams. Like we have guys who can make plays and turn those potential like two, three yard regains into eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 yard. I mean, you have Dalvin Cook, you have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. They're all electric with the ball in their hands. So it's just so weird to me that the Vikings aren't really able to capitalize on any of those opportunities to do those quick little hitters when it's not working on the inside. Well, I, I was losing my mind on one play specifically where they like had Adam Thielen like motion into the backfield. Then they like threw a little tiny bubble screen to him. And I just didn't understand what the hell they were trying to do. Adam Thielen is a guy who gets separation off the line down the field with his routes, not with necessarily his speed or like his size or anything. He's just a really great route runner and is really smart. And he's just not a guy like a make you miss in space guy. So I don't know. Like, I understand. Yes. Like Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, these guys are make you miss guys, right? Adam Thielen. I don't know what they were trying to do. Like handing him the ball. He's a small guy. He's not particularly super fast and he's not like a, a make you shifty, make you miss guy. So like that play specifically, I was yelling at the TV on that one. I was pissed. (laughs) I was pissed. Go ahead, Connor. I was just going to say, I, th- I think probably the goal of those plays is just to get the ball in his hands. Like, I think that's probably the end, of the, yeah. the end of the day. That's what they're trying to do is be creative and find ways to get the ball in their playmaker's hands. I don't think you're wrong necessarily, but I think it all, it, that that sort of play depends a lot on the outcome. Mm-hmm. If it goes for 10 yards, we're like, hey, hey great perfect, play. Well designed. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then we're like, that was stupid. We should, you know, we should, if we're going to hand it off, give it to Delvin or. Justin Jefferson's faster, so let's do him on that or whatever. But sometimes it, the play design is good in theory, and if it doesn't work out, it's easy to be like, stupid play. Very easy to say from the recliner, yep. Mm-hmm. All right, that was a fun little new segment for us. Maybe sound off. Uh, let us know if you like the happy, crappy, happy sandwiches served up from the Mini Market Podcast. I had a thought on the game in general. Maybe we'll move into just a general thoughts segment here, but for me, it felt like start to finish, the Vikings are the worst team in this game. And hear me out. And this may be slightly biased because I am a Vikings fan, so I am viewing the game through the lens of a Vikings fan. But I felt like the Vikings played a much, much cleaner game in general than the Cardinals. Yet I felt the entire time watching that our margin for error was so razor thin if we were going to win this game. Like there was no room to make any mistakes. And we hardly did. If you look at it, we missed two kicks. Those were brutal. We had zero turnovers. We were very good in terms of penalties. We only had a couple. And one of them was when we were backed up on our one. So that only counts for like two feet of penalty yardage. So it's actually not that bad of a penalty. I thought, in general, the Vikings played a very clean game. We had a couple of miscues on defense that led to touchdowns. But in general, it felt like at any point, the game was going to turn ugly for the Vikings if we make one mistake. 
Conversely, the Cardinals were sloppy. They had a pick six. They had a pick in the end zone. They had a bunch of false starts. They were not particularly clean in general. And yet they come out ahead. And it felt like kind of the whole way for me that they didn't have to play a perfect game to beat the Vikings, where the Vikings felt like they had to play a near-perfect game to beat the Cardinals. And that's not a great sign for the rest of the season. I don't like that feeling. I wonder, what do you guys think about that? I think for me, I just chalk, I, I chalk that honestly up to, I think the Cardinals are going to be a good team. And so I look at them as a playoff team and I look at the Vikings as a team who is probably going to be on the outside looking in, whether we're close or not. So I think that's an accurate, um, what's the word, accusation or description of what happened. Because I felt the same way and you look at it, we missed that field goal when, when we were up two scores and Lucas texts us and goes, that could be big or like that, that'll come back to haunt. And sure enough, we lose by one point, that point. And like, obviously the kick at the end of the game could have saved the day too, or, you know, taking pressure off if we'd been, been tied at that point or whatever. But I think ultimately it comes down to that we made two mistakes that were like noticeable. Right. And that's the two kicks, if you will. And then that's why we lose. And the, Cardinals, like you said, made numerous mistakes, did not play their best game. So to me, I think you're right. Arizona's a better football team than we are, but to me, that's not the worst thing in the world because I think Arizona's a good football team, and I think we're an okay football team. Like I think we all kind of thought this was a loss on the schedule anyways. Um, I think the dagger goes more to us being 0-2 now. Like Losing to the yeah. Bengals is a real kick in the shorts, but... I don't think you're wrong. I think I, it was a great point. Yeah. Like they I think that was my point, Connor, that it it's it's like a, a clear realization that we're not that good. Yeah. True. I was gonna say it, it's just enough to draw us back in though, too. Like you play a perfect game, we lose by wow, one to so a good, good team, and now we're like, you know what? This team might be all right. But then next week, if we go out lay an egg. It's just like all over again, you know, or next week, maybe we play good enough and lose in a nail biter again. And, and at that point, you start looking around like we just can't close the door. We just can't push across the edge, whatever it is, the fumble, the missed kick, the missed next point, like think just the little, little, little things there are going to cost us a chance at a decent season. Yep. I was going to say, are we, we going to touch on this kicking, <laughs> this kicking issue that has plagued us for Fucking ever. I think we'd be remiss to just ignore the fact that oh. you know it's it's just what a what a bummer. One uh, <laughs> one funny thing I will say. Well, not so funny, but I stupidly forgot to turn off my ESPN updates and my TV was slightly lagged behind. So Joseph's up there lining up like he's just jogging out there and I get the ESPN update. Final, Arizona 34, Minnesota 33. So I'm yelling at this guy before he even kicks the ball. <laughs> See, it's goddamn, it's goddamn amateur oh hour God, over the was... house. I turn my phone face down because you know it's going to do the done and not, not regardless because the game's over. It's anarchy. But I went face down with the phone so I could experience the heartbreak in real time. It's absolute anarchy. That's why you're a pro's pro, Connor. What do we think about yep. the kicking? Is there, uh, what do we do? You know, my take, I think you got to ride him out a little bit longer. You can't just cut a guy because he misses a kick here and there. Understand Dude. it's a high pressure situation. Definitely should have made it. I'll be the first to say you got to make that kick, but you also can't live and die on every single time that you get to step out on the field. There's just, it's, it's too hard of a position to do that. 
What do you guys think? Uh, I agree. I don't think we should cut just plain up cut him. Um, he made some really big kicks today, 52, 53 yards, I think, or maybe they're both 52, but um, those were huge kicks at the time. We really needed them, um, and he stepped up and came through. The ones that really kill me are just the extra points in the middle of the game. I don't understand how you miss that kick. You do it every day, every day, every day. It's not like no one's really rushing on an extra point in the middle of the game. I know it's obviously very easier said than done, but Man, that one pisses me off almost more than the. I think it definitely more than the than the miss at the end because there's there's like no pressure on it compared to the the end kick. I just don't understand what did we do to deserve this as Vikings fans. I think it's funny that it seems like it always is these miss extra points. Which I understand your point. I do have a slight counterpoint to it, but it's funny that those end up costing. Like coming back to haunt us, where a lot of teams it doesn't. But the, 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 the counterpoint would be, you know, that's his job, right? And there are things in everybody's job that the six people that are listening, the three people that are on this podcast, there are things that in your everyday job, you screw up on a daily basis that you know how to do it. You've done it a million times and you're just human. And I think that is a factor that plays into this whole kicking situation. So that's the one counterpoint is that I understand that he practices it all day, every day. But it's just one of those things where he's going to make mistakes. It's just it's uncanny how often that costs Minnesota games, as opposed to other teams who might miss a field goal in a thirty-point blowout right. or an extra point in a thirty-point blowout. And I think to us too, it's just magnified because the kicking has just been an issue for so long that every single kick is just one more little splinter or one more little knife in the heart, like. Like I, you've seen it. Like the stats are extra points, field goals are there. There's just like I believe they're just up, way, way up. There's certainly the missed extra points um, than they used to be, and I, I think yeah, I think it's just extra magnified for us, unfortunately, because we uh, we've gone through so much heartbreak, and I don't know how much more I can take, fellas. Wow, he's breaking down. <laughs> Question for you guys: Last week we had a chance to win the game. Dalvin Cook fumbles inexplicably on a play that we don't. Yeah, right. The review oh, didn't love oh. it, but he fumbles. Game turns from game we're going to win, maybe to a game that we lose. Do you think that fumble had anything to do with the decision to not run any more plays with one timeout and a little over thirty seconds left on the clock? Do you think that that came into play at all? Or if in a vacuum, this is Zimmer's decision is to just run it out and take the kick? I think it, it probably does play a little bit into it. But I mean, we were if we were on like the 35-yard line, I would have probably been like, we need to get closer. With our kicker, we need to get closer. But we were on what, like the 20-25 when he kicked it? So I, I was totally fine with, with them just hold don't risk anything like don't quack this up <laughs> we've been in this position way too many times just don't screw it up let the clock run down call the timeout but I, sorry go ahead Connor. i don't i don't think it honestly i don't think it did i think that was the game plan i think the game plan is to get it to between a 30 and a 45 yarder however you have to do that we did run it a couple times on that drive granted we had the two minute warning we had timeouts all that fun stuff gotten a third and a short um, but I just kind of felt like that the, the game plan was to do exactly what they did and then bang the kick and and it just didn't work out. I don't think it yeah. really altered how they played last week. But I hear the swing boat here, so no, I think I agree. I did see uh, 
something on Twitter, I think it was Paul Charchian or something like that said over the last X amount of years, that kick from that distance is 88% league wide. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, so it's a pretty like high probability. Saber metrics guy. Yeah. It's a, I think most, <laughs> most, most teams probably would have done the same thing. If obviously if they make it, it's a, it's a mute point. Nobody's talking about it. Um, I think the one part for people is probably that there was another timeout. So you do have a chance to maybe do a, something interesting, but uh, I think the likelihood of a negative play or something bad they going. Were, they were blowing us up at the end. Like the running game was just not, yeah. like you said, it was not what it was in the first half. So while I like to transition a little bit, so I was thinking about the kicking rule and I don't want to dive too much into it, but I just had a thought of, remember when we were like on the kids playing on the playground and to start the game, you threw it, you didn't kick it, right? You Roll just chucked off, it yeah. down there. And I like the idea of what if we, I'm not going after a player. I'm going after the organization, the whole scheme, the schematics that is the NFL. Let's get rid of kicking. Let's just get rid of it completely. Let's keep the punts. That's fine. I understand how punts play in the game. We have these quarterbacks that we pay millions of dollars for three points, have them stand at midfield, and we make a two-foot-wide pole that goes up, I don't know, 40 feet. And if they hit the pole, they get three points. If they miss, zero. Same as the kick, and then we just have them launch it from midfield again to kick off. We get the quarterbacks involved on kickoffs, which will be a ton of fun, because honestly, they're probably way more athletic than kickers anyways. And then we take what some would say are the least football players out of anybody, the kickers, out of the equation and no longer have them in the NFL. Personally, I'm not saying it's the right idea. I'm just saying it's an idea to get around this whole kicking fiasco. We take kickers out of the game. We leave punters because honestly, punters are fun. Mitch Berger, we all remember him, long time. Snicker kicker. We all remember the snicker kicker. The guy kept snickers in the socks, punting. What a blast. Punters, I'm fine with. Honestly, a couple of them in college, they're getting jacked now. Kind of fun to watch. But kickers to me, I, I think maybe that's the, that's the direction the Vikings need to start pushing. Let's get kickers out of the NFL. Let's pick it. Let's get signs. Let's get bodies. Let's compete vocally. Compete vocally, please. Wow. I don't hate that idea. I'm just picturing a guy standing alone at midfield just <laughs> trying to drill this. The whole stadium's rocking. Yeah. Um, it also makes me wonder, like, do you just pay, like, a, I don't know if you call it a backup quarterback, but, like, this specific quarterback. Like, could Jamarcus Russell Jamarcus make a Russell. comeback? Mike Vick, like, these big arm guys who just can just rip it. No. If you do rattled. that, you're just that's just the new kicker with a different name. If you have a different guy come off the bench who hasn't played in the rest of the game to do this one specific thing, then, no, but that's just a the, kicker. And then you're like, our extra point specialist sucks. A, We're the Vikings. Oh, darn it. Do. Let's reinvent no. the game again. You can't here's do that. You do. Here's I'm, what you do. That. I'm against just that. That's not part of my entertain policy. this point for just a second. But we to save costs, we leave that little kicking net and then they could just warm up on the sidelines just like the kicker does. <laughs> <laughs> so you just said you're just making a different kicker. Uh Connor, yeah, I like it. I think it would be this No, this fun. is the same amount of fun. You're just it's they just also have different kicker numbers. <laughs> new, yeah. I like it, Connor. Uh question on it, like clarification. If you stall out a drive on the like 4-yard line, does that mean you still throw 50. from the 
everything's from the everything's 50. from the yep. 50. everything from the question 50. and there's no rush there's not there's just a time follow up if you're on the your own side of the 50 do you get to go to the 50 so like you just never would punt. You and, just get to go to the fifty. Yeah, like if you're if you're stuffed at your own one yard like, line, do you get to go to the fifty, or do you have to be fifty plus? Or you can throw it from the spot that you're at. Line of you're over fifty, so you could try a fifty-fiver, seventy-five you on your own forty-five. <laughs> exactly. Do you like that? I, I like that. The fifty that. is the closest you can go, but you could always throw from anywhere on the field. But then, mind you, if you miss. From where you throw it from, that's where the other team gets it. That would be very interesting. Say you get to like... So you're starting put drives at midfield <laughs> a lot. Say, yeah, say at the end points. of the game. This we're is gonna, points. We're pushing fourth down. These are for that's points. That's what we're doing. We're, and, say, ooh, I'm in. I'm in. Say at the end of the we're game... Pushing for, we're pushing to go for it on fourth down is what we're doing. Yeah. I was just going to say, say at the end of the game, you're on like the 30, 35-yard line. It's a windy day. You're in New England or you're in Baltimore, somewhere windy, cold. Lucas is bringing in his extra point specialist. <laughs> yeah, are you picking one are from you 78 up? out? Or are you going for that Hail Mary? I don't know. I don't know. All right. That's a fun thought. Love to get some comments about that one from the folks listening out there. Can the kickers. Can the kickers. I think as a group we're in, I wouldn't let Lucas do what he wants to do because I don't like that because that's just a new kicker, but if it's Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. standing there, then we get to find out if he's good or not. Um, I'd also just like to add a side, mar- side note, asterisk. This is basically, this conversation occurred because Dalton's not here to rein us back in. Fair. So Dalton, that's what you get. You don't show up to the pod, and this is what we Fair. have. This is what we Fair. have. We're already way over time, and it's just going to keep getting worse go. from here. Um, we're going to move on to another new segment. This one is a fun one, I think. This is how you you take a look back at the whole game and you say what went wrong or what went right. We're calling it the power pivot page turning play of the game. And what that means rolls off the tongue is that we are going to try to pinpoint the exact cause of the Vikings demise for this week. And if they win, we'll try to figure out what was the key moment that caused victory for the Vikings. So for this week, what was the point in the game where you felt like the tide turned? We'll start with Lucas. Give us your power pivot page turning play of the game. Yeah, this one was a uh, big gut punch to, uh, to myself and I think Vikings Nation. Fourth and two or fourth and three, Vikings are, are we got it. We're looking really good, getting getting down to a stop. We bring the house. It looks like we're going to get home on Kyler Murray finally. And he throws up what just looks like an absolute prayer, which is just a perfect pass to, to whoever it was more, or whoever was down right down the middle of the field. Catch Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk, excuse me, just sets him up for a score. Like we had him on the ropes. Like if we get that stop, the defense is fired up. Zim is probably going to give us a fist pump on the sideline or something. And it doesn't go our way. And I think that to me was like, uh oh, this is yeah, getting that, out of hand. Yeah, that was a tough one, emotionally challenging because I thought the defense was playing really well, and they did actually step up and get a stop there, or at least a, goal, a right? force yeah. the field goal. Which, again, though we lose by one, you would you'd rather get off the field on fourth and fourth and two. Uh, Dantzler ended up getting that stop there at the end, and I had not realized how 
rail thin skinny that guy is. He is a twig, um, which fish officially puts him in to a new crew that I've made. It's the Minnesota all skinny squad. I'm calling them the Minnesota Slims. So Cameron Dantzler, welcome to the club. You are joined by Justin Jefferson, Nick Gordon, Mm -hmm. and Jaden McDaniels. So that's an illustrious honor for you, Cameron Dantzler. That's good company. Shout out Minnesota Slims. Connor, what was your... Somebody get that boy some milk. Oh, Lord. Connor, what was your power pivot page turning play of the game? Well, my power pivot page turning play of the game was <laughs> um, honestly, it was the the kick, uh, the field goal that Arizona made in the second half or right at the end of the second 62. half. It was just Gosh. like one of those moments. It was a big brother moment almost like anything you can do. I can do better. We go down, drive, kick a field goal to go up leave 20 measly seconds on the clock. And then they go down, kick a field goal from 62. Matt Prater, still good. Anti-kicker guy here. But um, yeah, that was frustrating to me. I was just like, man, this just doesn't feel like it's going to go our way as well as we've played this half and we're still trailing. Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a tough one. Just, it happened so fast. It was a blink of an eye moment. Just good execution, you got to say from the Cardinals. And that is why when there is a, like, if you're the kitty cats, why do you let Matt Prater go ever? You just, these are, there are a few guys in the NFL who you can just rely on as kickers. Yeah. And a, a good move by the Cardinals signing him. I think that was a great signing. Everybody's looking for a guy like Matt Prater. Yeah. And just imagine being that guy, 20 seconds, we make the field goal. You're trying to beat the concession stand line, right? So you hustle up, uh, get get your hot dog, get a pop, get back to your seat, and the Vikings are down. Oof. Frustrating. Oof. I would say frustrating is the word. Yep. But Isaiah, how about you? What is your power pivot page turning play of the game? Yes. Thank you, Connor. My power pivot page turning play of the game was is, is a cheat. It's kind of two plays in one. It was in also in the second quarter. It was that weird play where there was that fumble sort of at the one yard line, but also a holding. So randomly it was like, whoa, Vikings recovered a fumble. Nobody even saw the ball touch the ground. I said to the group, this is something that happens to the Vikings, not happens for the Vikings. It was this weird, like kind of nice momentum turn on the two yard line. Mike Pereira comes out, actually gives for once, Mike, you gave some good good insight there i connor asked the question does he have to get two feet inbound same as like a catch Pereira comes on definitively says and answers that question it is like a catch you have to get two feet inbounds to to be considered uh holding possession or get like a knee down or an elbow same as a catch anyways so overturned he also explained to us nicely that the penalty that they had the holding penalty will now be applied since we Mm -hmm. declined it because we thought we were getting the ball so Mike Pereira, when he doesn't have to make a decision, can be helpful. That was not a decision. There was no... It's good at giving the info, yeah. He just like the gave... Rule, he, the actual he rule. Just yes. read us the rule book, which is essentially what he does all the time. Um, and also, mm-hmm. fire three-piece suit from Pereira today. He came to play. Bingo. Uh, shout out. No toe drag swag on that. <laughs> that was a toe drag swag. <laughs> that was a toe drag swag. Nick Vigil needs to work on his toe drag swag. Uh, and then literally the next play, Kyler Murray scrambles up the middle on a quarterback draw for a touchdown. And I, that was the pivot play for me because 
it it's just this weird energy there where it feels like we if the fumble thing didn't happen maybe we do get a stop but that made it a 6 point game as we know they score quickly after that it just felt like a weird play of like you can feel that momentum turn when something strange like that happens and it it was unfortunate because it was almost a positive thing and then it felt like a negative thing because something that we didn't even think could happen almost happened but didn't happen and then they score a touchdown right after it so that was a weird Pivotal, pivotal moment in the game. Mm-hmm. Great point. Great round. All around. Great, great. Fun point. segment. We're keeping that one, folks. We're keeping that one. We don't even need reviews on that one. All right. Last segment. We, I think we got what our last just- segment. I'm going to just sprinkle in something that I saw from the game. One, Kyler Murray, his pick six, Actually, both of his picks, but his pick six in general was me playing Madden to a T. It's literally (laughs) every time I get a pick six, it's that exact play where you just don't think Mm -hmm. the linebacker is in zone and you think you've got that like little slant route open and he just cuts in and pick six and you're pissed and I throw the controller. So just wanted to get that out there. Good point. Secondly, JJ Watt is so annoying was the other thing. Did you see that? When Delvin. Delvin Cook got hurt, and the shout out to the trainers the for being ankle. like, "Dude, get out of here!" He was like doing this like fake like huddle, take a knee next to Delvin Cook, who's like getting looked at by the trainers, like actively looked at by the trainers, and he's like up in their grill, and literally they were like, "I don't know who our head trainer is, Lou. I think you know his name, but he was like, he literally Eric threw him out of there. Yeah, he was like, "Get out of here! Like this is so ridiculous. Why are you here?" And then classic O'Neill. For two weeks in a row, comes in yeah, super late like, to the party. Like, get out of hey. here, big boy. <laughs> Same hey, as last week with the kicker. Um, so I just thought that was super annoying. And actually, it made me think of a conversation that we had a couple weeks back about Little League head coaches, how they only oh, do things boy. for the spotlight. That had major Little League World Series head coach spotlight, vibes to me yeah. from JJ Watt, which is the fakest of fake. So that was just a couple takes I had to get off my chest before we move Ooh. into our final segments of the day. Another new one. Whoop, whoop, whoop. They're all new this week. Great. Okay. We are now moving into our final segment of the podcast. It is a one that we were going to be doing. It's going to be a carryover week over week segment. We are calling it the survivor segment, another alliteration for the folks. This is a pro alliteration podcast in case you forgot. Let me explain it to you real quick. The survivor style segment is we as a podcast are going to pick the worst player of the day of the game, and we will vote them collectively off of the island. Uh, do we want to nominate a, a name for this award? We could call it the Breland Award each week. Whoever gets voted off because they're the worst player of the week. Connor tipping his hand a little bit. I think we know who he might want to vote off the island this week. I think we will call it the... Since last week, we had a lot of beef with the offensive line. We collectively voted them off. But it was really just one guy that we wanted to vote off. It was Rashad Hill. So we'll call it the Rashad Hill Memorial Vote Him Off the Island Award. And so he is still on the island. This is a new thing. We're picking a new guy to vote off the island. Then conversely, at the end of that, we will pick our mini market player of the game. And if you win mini market player of the game, you have a chance to come back onto the island. So if you get voted off in a prior week, then you have a good week. You get voted back in. Tons of fun. Welcome back. At the end of the year, we're going to see, does the offense or the defense have more guys left 
on the island. So we have three, we're going to do three nominees for the Rashad Hill Memorial Vote Him Off the Island Trophy. Connor, do you want to give us the first name? Yeah. So I'll just quick run through the three candidates and Perfect. then we can kind of knock this one out. So um, our first candidate is uh, Delvin Cook. So naturally, uh, a tough game this week for him. Um, you know what? It's probably just to justify what we're doing. I'm going to pull up the stats. He, like I said, tough week, 22 carries and only 131 yards. So uh, he's definitely out on the chopping block. Um, the next one would be Adam Thielen, um, kind of a guy who struggles week in and week out. Uh, definitely a reliability issue with him. Touchdown this week, six catches and 40 yards. And then the third guy is um, Breland, Brashad Breland, I believe is how you pronounce it. I don't even know because, you know, because he's on this list. All these guys, Thielen, I don't know. A lot of these guys on this list, they're just guys that you wouldn't really recognize. And so one of these three players, I'm sorry to say, is going home this week. After deliberation from this group, back and forth a little bit. I don't know if you guys want to get an opinion before we shoot them down or what. Lucas, who are we voting off the island this week? Of those three guys. We we narrowed it down decisively to those three guys. Who was the worst player this week? Who was off the island? In the spirit of being an alliteration podcast, Bashad Breland. See ya. Bye bye. Hopefully you can swim off the island. <laughs> there you have it, folks. Bashad Breland is the inaugural winner of the Rashad Hill Memorial He Sucks Award. Get him off the island. All right. Like we said with our happy, crappy, happy sandwiches, we want to end on a positive note, meaning that we will do the mini market player of the game now. Lucas, who did you think had the best game this week? Um, well, I am actually going to go with Daniil Hunter. It was awesome to see him back to his previous form. Three sacks. He was in Kyler Murray's face all day, even if he didn't, didn't get a hand on him. He was causing pressure. Great to see him back. He just influences the game differently than, than pretty much anyone else on the field. So welcome back, Daniil. Well, I'll just I'll just butt in now. I was going to throw it to you, Connor, but I also had Daniel Hunter as my mini market player of the game. Again, those sacks were big. I thought going back to the pivot plays, if the Vikings had won, a pivotal play was that third down, uh, third and two with like ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. Daniel Hunter had a big sack there on Kyler Murray. I think he was integral into the defense's ability to contain Murray for the most part. It was fun to see him getting some sacks. Three sacks in a day is awesome. Big. Not to be overlooked in a loss. Connor, who is your player of the game? Mini market player of the game. Uh, I was going to go with Nick the Verge. The um, pick six was huge. Uh, Four solo tackles, eight total tackles. But I I, I definitely don't disagree. I think Daniel Hunter is the player of the game. Huge sacks. Um, Congratulations, Daniel. Daniel um, Hunter on being this week's mini market MVP. All right. Way to go. Way to go, Daniil Hunter. You can stop by the booth, stop by our recording studio anytime to pick up that award. We'd love to have you on if you'd like to accept that award. Huge. Well, that might be it, folks. Another tough week for the Vikings. Uh, we hope the rest of the week treats you a lot better. 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for stopping by. This has been the Mini Market Podcast. Remember, follow us on Twitter at Tellum Sports. We are also on the web. We have a website. It's called at Tellum Sports, spelled the same as the Twitter one. So check us out there. Like, subscribe, comment, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your friends, tell your sisters, tell your brothers. Spread the word. Peace and love. And remember, Timberwolves season starts in like a week and a half, two weeks max, something like that. So something to look forward to. to look forward to. Unrelated, go Wolves. Thanks for stopping by. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.